1: frequently hear pastors and other Christians use the phrase, living out your faith. But do you wonder what it really means to do that? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah provides a biblical roadmap for living the faith-filled life God wants for you and becoming the person He created you to be. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his special message, A Life Beyond Amazing.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. And most of all, thank you for your faithfulness during the month of August. You know, August is always a tough month for ministries. People are on vacation. Routines are broken. And, uh, oftentimes, uh, ministries suffer during the month of August. But because of your faithfulness, that doesn't happen here. You continue to support what we do. And it's such an encouragement to me personally. That's why I always want to do something to um, add value to your life because of what you do here. When you make an investment in Turning Point through your gifts, we want to make an investment back in your life. And so during this month, our investment has been the book, God Has Not Forgotten You, a 190-page hardcover gift book featuring 10 chapters that provide comfort and encouragement for times when you may feel alone. It's a great reminder of God's faithfulness during challenging times, and it's an echo chamber for his words that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he will be with us to the end of time. This book is available to you for a gift of any size today. This is the last day this offer is available. So when you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. And with it comes our gratitude for your support of the ministry of Turning Point on radio in your community. Hey, I want to say a word about what's coming up. Uh, We're going to begin uh, tomorrow the series on Elisha. As we begin September together, we're going to teach the life of Elisha, the double-blessed prophet. Elisha is the one who prayed when Elijah went to heaven that he wanted to be doubly-blessed. He wanted to have twice the blessing Elijah had. Now, Elijah was a blessed man, and Elisha was asking for a whole lot. But we're going to find out he got what he asked for. And it's a wonderful story. As I mentioned to you earlier, it was the series that we taught outside during the COVID season when we were meeting in our outside arena because we couldn't meet inside. It was a special time and a special blessing from the Lord. It all begins tomorrow right here on Turning Point. Well, let's finish up what we started yesterday. This is a life beyond amazing. Here's what I know, men and women, after all these years of studying this, and I want to be very clear about this. The New Testament calls upon Christians to take action. It does not tell us that the work of sanctification is going to be done for us. We are in the good fight of faith, and we have to do the fighting. But thank God we're unable to do it. For the moment we believe and are justified by faith, we're born again by the Spirit of God. We get the ability. The New Testament method of sanctification is to remind us of that. Now, having been reminded of it, let's go do it. Here's one you all will love. This is Bono, the lead singer of U2. You never hear me quote him before, have you? Here's what he said. He said, your nature's a hard thing to change takes time I have heard of people who've had life-changing miraculous turnarounds people set free from addiction after a single prayer relationships saved where both parties let go and let God but it wasn't like that for me for all that I was lost I am found it is probably more accurate to say I was really lost and I'm a little less so at the moment (laughs) and then a little less and a little less again that to me is the spiritual life the slow reworking and rebooting of the computer at regular intervals reading the small print in the service manual It's slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It's taken years though, and it's not over yet Was he saying that salvation is a gradual thing not as far as accepting Christ? But he was saying that when I accepted Christ it wasn't over I Didn't get that spiritual situation where when I woke up the next day All of my lust was gone and all of my greed was gone and all of my selfishness was gone It was still there and it was over a period of time after receiving Jesus Christ That I wasn't as lost as I was before I was lost You get that? Those are some of the things we need to kind of keep and we'll talk about this some more as we go along now Let me hurry quickly the roadmap of a life beyond amazing. And I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to the second chapter of Philippians. I love the book of Philippians. Do you have Philippians? Yes, what a great book this is. It seems like it speaks to so many things. But I want to read to you these verses, and having explained to you what I've explained to you, you'll sort of get this now in the way that I hoped you would get it. Philippians 2, 12, and 13, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen carefully. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. And you're going to say, wait a minute. Didn't you just tell me you don't have to work for your salvation? Yes, I did. Because that's what the Bible says. And I'm not contradicting it. You're just not reading carefully. It doesn't say, work for your salvation. It says, work out your salvation. Some of you are so opposed to work out, you won't even read that. (laughs) Work out your salvation. What does it mean? When the text says, work out your own salvation, it doesn't mean work for your salvation. The phrase, work out, has the meaning of working something through to its full completion. This particular expression was used to describe those who worked in the mines in Paul's day. They were mining out of the ground that which had been placed there by their creator Working out our salvation has the meaning of working out What God has already worked in notice in that same text? It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you So we're to work out what God has worked in God is giving us these things that we need but that doesn't mean we just sit and hold them What is really responsible for your Christian walk your Christian growth? Is it just sit back and wait for the Holy Spirit to zap you? How many have had been zapped? No And we wonder why isn't this working? Well, we're looking for the wrong thing each generation of believers carries on its own debate over this question but here's what i want you to know the bible holds the tension between man's role and god's role in perfect balance here's another great illustration from the new testament in second peter chapter one this is what it says his divine power has given to us believers all the things that we need for life and godliness Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust now I'll pack that in real simple way. Here's what Peter wrote He said when you became a Christian you got everything you need for life and godliness How many of you believe that the Bible says it we have to believe it? He said God gave us. What did he do? He put it in us Like he puts ore in the earth, he puts these things in us. Not only that, the scripture says he gives us precious promises. What is that? That's the Bible, the guidebook. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness, and then on top of that, he gives us these precious promises to help us. And we should say, well, thank you, Lord. But that isn't the end of the story. The people who want to tell you that your Christian walk should be a passive rest life, waiting for God to do it all, haven't read the rest of the chapter. Because in verse 5, it says, also for this very reason, what reason? Because you got all this stuff. Because you got all this, add to your faith virtue and give all diligence in the process. The word give all diligence in the Greek language means to make every single effort. The phrase could be translated, make every effort. What Peter was saying to his readers is this exactly, what Paul had written to the Philippians. You have been given great resources. Now go out and realize the full potential of all that you are and all that you have in Jesus. You say, how would that work out if I did that? Can I take you back to Philippians for just a moment? Here in Philippians, remember, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both the will and to do of his good purpose. What would that look like? Well, let me just tell you what it would look like. Verse 14 comes next. Do all things without complaining and disputing. That's a good place to start. How many of you could use a little help there? You probably complained because you couldn't find your parking place this week. So you all need some work. That's what I'm telling you. The reason why we need to work out what God has worked in is because it's not all working Amen? Amen And it goes on to say that when we do this We'll become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world The Bible says that the reason we're not making more of an impact on the world why we're not shining as light is because we haven't taken seriously the opportunity we have to take the things that God has given us and max them out for his glory and for our good. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want us to sit on our blessings. He doesn't want us just to come to church and count our blessings, name them one by one. And it seems like today, in the Christian world, there's just a movement away from all kind of personal discipline or individual responsibility in the Christian walk. Jerry Bridges, who writes for The Navigators, put it this way, he said, we Christians, We're very disciplined and industrious in our business our studies our home or even in our ministry But we tend to be lazy when it comes to exercising our own spiritual lives We would rather pray lord make me godly And expect him to pour some godliness into our soul in some mysterious way God does in fact work in mysterious ways, but he expects us to train ourselves for godliness sake J. adams put it this way you may have sought and tried to obtain instant godliness there is no such thing we want somebody to give us three easy steps to godliness and we'll take them next friday and we'll be godly the trouble is godliness doesn't come that way when paul wrote to young timothy over in first timothy 4 7 he said reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself toward godliness and i've always loved this passage because i love physical exercise and here the word for exercise is the word in the greek language gymnasio from the word we get gymnasium paul said to timothy go to the gymnasium exercise yourself for godliness does that sound like it's all just coming to you without any effort on your part doesn't sound like that to me in fact here's an interesting thought the last characteristic Of the fruit of the Spirit is self-discipline here's what Aristotle said he's not an evangelical by the way (laughs) he said just as we become builders by building and liar players by playing the liar so we become just by doing just acts temperate by doing temperate acts brave by doing brave acts Virtue, that is to say, it is not an emotion, but a quality of character, and it is gained by practice. When I was a student at Dallas Seminary, Tom Landry was the coach of the Cowboys. That tells you how long ago that was. I've told you before, I was addicted back then. Used to skip my Tuesday class to go to the Cowboy Luncheon downtown. He used to say this, and he said it in a number of books, and I've heard him say it personally, that the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. In much the same way, Christians are called to make themselves do something they would not naturally do, like pursue discipline, in order to become what they always wanted to be. That is, like Jesus Christ. Discipline yourself for godliness sake. That's what it says. The roadblocks and the roadmap. What is the roadmap? Take the things that God has given you and use them. Teach yourself how to do these things. You're not going to just, I don't know how to say this. I'm not in any way being disrespectful of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we're going to have a whole lesson on what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how he helps us do this. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do the things that you were called to do. He helps you do them. He helps you build these disciplines. But if you're sitting back waiting, you're going to miss what God has for you. That's not the way it works. That's not what the Bible teaches. We are not saved by good works, we are saved for good works. And in these things that we do to develop these graces in our lives, there's effort to be made on our part. Now let's go back to the picture That we had at the beginning of the message about the river remember all these people standing over here who just got saved and all these people over here who just got to heaven and now you're standing over here trying to figure out what do i do what is the bridge across that river and i'm convinced that the bridge that we're missing is the bridge of character where we as believers have a job to do on ourselves to become like christ to study the Word of God and the characteristics of the Word of God and ask God to give us the help we need and completely give ourselves to the Holy Spirit and develop in ourselves. Some of you here today, you're really loving people. That won't be an issue for you. You can do this. People talk about you all the time. She's the most loving person I've ever been around. No matter what happens, she just loves everybody. But some of you aren't so patient. And maybe that's where you're going to have to do a little homework. Ask God to help you learn what it means to be patient. So, What are we supposed to do between conversion and heaven? The bridge in question goes by many names, but one of the most obvious names is character. The transforming, shaping, marking of a life and its habits. In the last analysis, what matters after you believe isn't rules or spontaneous self-discovery. It's becoming more like the one who saved you in the first place, and we know about that, and we know we can't do it in our own strength, but we know it does take some of our strength. We're not just gonna sit and wait for God to make us the people that he's called us to be. The Bible won't allow that if you don't know that. There's hundreds of other scriptures I could bring to you that call us to put on the new life, to take off the old life, to walk in holiness. These are commands, these are not suggestions. So what is character? What will we look like if we develop this character in our life? People of strong character are usually people that are very disciplined. They have fortitude, integrity, ethical strength. These are attributes that will distinguish you from one another. These are the things that make you shine as a light in the darkness. You're a different kind of person. Character is an attitude that every young person, every middle-aged person, and every old person should have embedded in their minds. Character is returning extra change at the grocery store. Character is keeping appointments and being on time. Character is honoring your commitments and honoring your word. Character is choosing the harder right instead of the easier wrong. Character is setting priorities that honor God and family and country. Character in marriage is working through the tough times rather than throwing in the towel and looking for divorce. Character is being committed to the well-being of your family and friends, associates and others, even if that's personally costly, and character is setting a good example. A married person of character acts married all the time a Person of character is self-disciplined and self-controlled character implies the courage to stand for what is right if necessary All alone to oppose what is wrong and to make the effort to discern the difference Character is being truthful in all things while being sensitive to the fact that sometimes truth hurts and needs not be spoken Character is being selfless rather than selfish remember Character is the only thing that goes in the casket with you to the hereafter And believe it or not, it's the only thing that people will remember about you when you're gone And it should be something we desperately want to develop in our lives Here's where i'm at folks. I can tell you we used to talk about this years ago We used to talk about character. We used to even teach it to our children in school. Do you remember that? We had courses in character not now We got characters in our school, but we don't have any character in our school. (laughs) But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, does it? Because nobody's been doing it recently. Would you say that one of the great needs we have in our culture is more people of character? Don't you want to be a person of character? I know I sure do. I want to learn everything I can about what it means to be a man of God and have character. Because whether you like it or not, at some point, people whose opinion matters, will be paying a lot of attention to you and to me. They'll be watching what we do and how we react. We might not even know it, but they'll be looking at you for an example because they need an example to follow. They'll be looking for a leader. Maybe the children will be looking for parents to do the right thing. And each time you enter a room, each time you go to a practice or a meeting, every time you involve yourself in the life of another human being, you have the opportunity to leave a positive legacy behind because you're a person of character. I read about this choir director who took on the running of a church choir which hadn't had much help for years. And they had struggled valiantly to sing the hymns, to give the congregation a bit of a lead, and on special occasions, even to try a simple anthem. But frankly, the results weren't very impressive. However long they practiced, they didn't seem to get any better, and they were probably just reinforcing their existing bad habits. So when the new choir director arrived and took them on, gently finding out what they could and couldn't do, it was, in a sense, an act of grace. He didn't tell them they were rubbish or shout at them to sing in tune. That wouldn't have done any good at all. It would have been simply depressing. He accepted them as they were, began to work with them, But the point of doing so was not so that they could carry on as before. Only now was someone waving his arms in front of them. The point of his taking them on as they were was so that they could really learn to sing. And now, remarkably, they can. Same people, whole new sound. That is a picture of how God's grace works in our lives. God loves us as we are, As he finds us, which is more or less kind of messy, muddy, and singing out of tune. And the wonder at the heart of genuine Christian living is that God has come to meet us right where we are. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. God's love comes to you and to me where we are in Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is accept it. But when we accept it when we welcome the new choir director into our ragged and out-of-tune singing We find a new desire to read the music better to understand what it's all about to sense the harmonies and bit by bit to start singing in tune ladies and gentlemen what I've been talking about is called sanctification and Sanctification is best defined in this word sanctification is becoming in practice what you already are in position. Everything God calls us to be, we already are in his mind, but he calls us now to become every day what we already are in heaven. Out of our desire to become better musicians, we begin to practice, we begin to learn the habits of how to sing. There is the sequence, grace, which meets us where we are, but it is not content to let us remain where we are followed by direction and guidance to enable us to acquire the right habits, replace the wrong ones, all of a sudden, we're singing almost in tune again. We got in the choir a long time ago. Maybe you got in the choir when you were a kid. You've been in the choir for a long time and just sensed that something's out of tune. Here's a chance to get tuned up. <laughs> Take the scriptures and allow them to be the motivation so that you can start singing in harmony. You know, the greatest illustration of what I've been talking to you about today is this. Almighty God has loved us before the foundation of the world. And that would be enough, would it not? He loves us. But God didn't leave it at that. He loved us. And he sent us his own son to prove it. God took action to demonstrate his love to you and to me. And if you've never received that love because you've never understood how much he loves you, I'd like to ask you to do that today. God loves you so much that he didn't even keep his own son in heaven with him. He sent his only begotten son to this earth. Let him become like us and go to the cross and pay a penalty for our sin, which we could never have paid so that we can have a standing before the Father. If you've never trusted Christ, ask yourself, why not? During these days when so much has changed in our lives, so many people have come to Christ. Many, many people listening during COVID on the internet and listening in the radio and television. We've just overwhelmed at how many people have put their trust in Christ. And maybe you're one who's sort of been thinking about this and wondering if maybe this is something you should do. Well, let me tell you, you should do it. You should ask for forgiveness of your sin. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and give you the joy and hope that he came to this earth to provide. You will never be the same. When you put your trust in Christ, when you become a Christian, everything changes. And not just for you, but for your family, for the generations to come. I've been doing this now for half a century. And I look back over my shoulder and I see the incredible power of the gospel to change the lives of people and families and communities and churches and organizations. God's gospel is triumphant, and it will change your life if you'll give him the chance. He won't push his way into your life, but if you ask him to come and live within your heart and in your life, he'll do it, and you'll know the difference right away. Let us know if we can help. We have some literature to send you that will get you a good start in this new life. And don't forget to join us tomorrow as we begin our study of the life of Elisha. This is Turning Point. I'm David Jeremiah. What a fun time we've had in August. Thank you for being a part of it.
1: The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you send us your personal story of Turning Point's impact? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, and learn to trust the Lord in times of uncertainty. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin a new series on Elisha, living with one purpose, right here on Turning Point.
0: and be in prayer. One of the most well-known verses in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians 13:11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Paul is referring to spiritual maturity in this verse, but there is a principle involved that goes further. Children have many lovable traits, but they also are impulsive, have bad tempers, and don't like hard jobs. They live only for the moment, and they think the world revolves around them. Hopefully, as adults, we have learned to put away those kinds of childish things. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's path to maturity on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home.